Hi everybody and welcome to Therefore I Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Dude. And today we are going to be talking about uh, Jeff John stepping down as the Chief Creative Officer of DC Entertainment. Stan Lee has a protective order. Uh, Chris Hardwick has been accused of some rather heinous things. And yeah. There's that. Yeah. Alright, so let's start with the... I want to start with the Stan Lee uh, thing. Because we did almost an entire episode yeah. on the whole Stan Lee debacle a month ago? Two months ago? Uh, you know, I, like I have almost no concept of time anymore right like, I'm, I'm literally going to be up all night because i have to roll back into to back 12s this week again so like my concept of like time is just it's just taking i mean it's, it's taking a beating yeah and i just stay up really really late and wake up really early in the morning because i'm a crazy person right because you make bad and, bad life choices uh, terrible and now especially because i'm because I, I train with a boxing coach my coach's actual real fighter like his championship fighter has a fight coming up in the end of July. So I can't train with them. I can't train with him at all in the afternoon for like the foreseeable until for the next month and a half. Nice. You gotta do it. So now it's like just 630 in the morning all the time. Every everyone he's got because he's got a, a real fighter who like legit broke. He, he punches so hard. He legit broke stuff in the gym. Damn. Like separated nailed down equipment from the wall. Well, all that's right how, then. Yeah, that's how scary this is. Just, it's just scary crazy. But anyway, so we did this Stanley thing a little while ago, and it was difficult to siphon through because there were a lot of characters, there were a lot of people, and we were never, even just from the outside, we were never really sure who were good guys and who were bad guys and who were just kind of incompetent boobs, right? It was one of those, you know, can we attribute malice to, or maybe should we attribute incompetence? You know, right. don't, don't contribute malice to what you can first contribute to incompetence i think is the, the turn of phrase and there were a couple of really strange videos that came out done by the memorabilia collector kia morgan and i remember i, I, I may have we may have talked about it online it was there, there was something kind of bizarre about them the way they felt set up the way stan was like let me tell you about my friend kia he's super super wonderful and then kia would say talk about this Stan. i don't want to talk about that and then the next video would be stan talking about that very subject he said he didn't want to talk about right and it was really bizarre and then so now what we have is this is i've got this from reuters and a temporary restraining order was issued on wednesday and this is head this is from three days ago so this is the 14th wednesday against stan lee's caregiver who was accused in court documents of subjecting the 95 year old marvel comics magnet to elder abuse since taking charge of his affairs early this year the petition for the restraining order was filed on lee's behalf by attorney tom lawless who said he was ousted as Lee's lawyer in February when memorabilia collector Kia Morgan, quote, inserted himself into Mr. Lee's, Mr. Lee's life, end quote, after his wife died last year. So you, I think you remember that we had mentioned that, that Lawless was trying to, was almost in a power struggle between Kia Morgan. It was like, it was like on one side, it was Lawless and his, and uh, Lee's road manager and slash bodyguard yeah. who had somewhat of a checkered past. And then on the other end, it was Kia Morgan and the daughter and then some other dude who also had a checkered past whose name I, I can't remember right now. Right. Uh, but anyway, according to Lawless's account in supporting court documents, Morgan, uh, Morgan seized control of Lee's home, hired security guards with orders to keep away family members and others Lee knew and trusted, and then moved Lee from his longtime family home to a condominium. And there was 
was that those very large purchases of real estate that red that, that kind of raised a lot of red flags. Yeah, so, some uh, really, uh, really sketchy uh, real estate deals. Quote, petitioner, along with law enforcement and adult protective services, believes that Mr. Morgan is unduly influencing Mr. Lee and isolating him, end quote, Wallace wrote in the petition. Um, let's see this. Morgan was arrested on Monday on suspicion of making false police report for placing an emergency 911 call for burglary in process, progress at Lee's home. The call was made just after two police detectives and a social worker arrived to check on Lee's welfare, according to a police affidavit filed with Lawless's petition. Earlier this week, Lee said in a video posted on his Twitter account that Morgan is the only person who respects him. Again, you know, you've got these videos, but the, how do we say this? The, not authenticity, but the credibility of these videos. Validity, is, if you will. Validity, yeah, credibility, validity. They're suspect. They're very suspect. Yeah. Um, a hearing on the circumstances surrounding the restraining order granted for Lee was set July 6th in Los Angeles County Superior Court. Morgan, who runs a high-profile memorabilia dealership in New York, was not immediately available for comment. An answering service operator told Reuters she did not know if he had a lawyer or other representatives speaking for him at this time. In a declaration, the filed as part of his petition for, end quote, elder abuse restraining order, end quote, Lawless described Lee as being in frail health. I do remember you and I talking about this, is that while this may sound macabre, Lee is at that age where at any moment we will pop on the front page of whatever news homepage we have that at least is a news website, because that's what mine is, and we're ready to see, you know, Stan Lee, creator of Marvel Heroes, passes away at 95. Oh, certainly. You know, it's one of the things, I don't want to see it, but I I am certainly fully prepared for it. 100%. Uh, It is said... Lee suffers from severe hearing and vision impairment, relies on round-the-clock nursing care, and has recently, quote, quote recently exhibited short-term memory impairment, impaired judgment, and the abil- and inability to resist undue influence, end quote. And there was also, earlier this year, I don't know where the, this went, and this will dovetail into what we'll probably talk about later, is Lee had been accused by someone, I don't know if it was the uh, at-home care nurses or someone associated with them, but but he was accused of kind of just uh, inappropriate behavior with them. Uh, yeah, and, it was the it was the in-home care nurses. Okay, and then quote. So finally, quote, Mr. Lee has a large estate worth over fifty million, and therefore is vulnerable to financial predators. End quote. Oh, absolutely. And I think yeah, his income was something like one point one million just based on royalties alone or something like that. Yeah, it was some, just, something something in that that range. So I'll say this much, and then I'll I'll, I'll hand it off to you. I am kind of glad that Lawless is getting involved the way he is. Uh, part of me wishes it didn't take as long as it did, but my hope is that the reason why it took this much time is that Lawless was getting all his stuff together and all his ducks in a row to make sure this petition is, is locked down because at least being an extreme outsider and really only knowing what has been reported in the media, something about this Kia Morgan guy was very, very sketchy. Um, no, so, yeah, it absolutely it's... felt very, very questionable, especially when, you know, someone's been through something like Stan has where they've lost their spouse and things like that and they're in mm-hmm. a very vulnerable position and this person who has otherwise not been involved in their life at all right. sweeps in and suddenly they're you know not not they're cutting ties with people that they've been associated with for decades that always raises raises red flags totally totally i mean and, and you know there are occasions where that kind of thing is you know is necessary because you know when you realize like hey you know if stan's wife was pre- protecting him from being taken advantage of by a bunch of different people and suddenly if she's out of the picture and these people now have free access you know someone really needs to take that place but it doesn't sound like that was that was at all the case right. i think i think she kept him kind of kept things in line because Stan is you know he's he's the the 
the people pleaser. Right, that, that kind of eccentric, creative personality type who just wants everyone to be happy. Yeah, so certainly, like, I think she she was the, the sensible one there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... You know, I don't think she was holding holding the wolves at bay quite that that much. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was when they were when she was gone that they saw this opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, and again, this this story has just gotten more and more bizarre over the last you know couple of months, mm-hmm. and and it seems like we've kind of not really peaked, but we we've reached a a point where things will hopefully be coming down and some some sense of of normalcy and, and reasonable conduct will be taking charge yeah i agree and i think basically what we said the last time or at least i i was said it the last time is you we really kind of want the twilight days of stanley's life to be as happy and as comfortable as possible and it is always heartbreaking that someone with such a career as lee has had and is so beloved by so many people would have you know the final chapter of his, of his life play out like this it's yeah. just not something you want to see and, and if if this is what it takes to try and make those last couple years i don't know steve could lee could live to 116 for all he could be alive for another 20 years uh i certainly wouldn't want him to be in any kind of discomfort pain or be taken advantage of people who do not deserve it or have any kind of claim to the work he's done uh that has made so many people happy for so long yeah no that's just absolutely all right so jeff johns yeah so uh dc entertainment this week announced that jeff johns is stepping down as chief creative officer uh and basically he is going to go back to what he does best he's going back to writing um mm-hmm. specifically he is signing a an exclusive writer producer deal with warner brothers of dc entertainment so he's focusing on on writing the announced and kind of fork forthcoming uh green lantern core film uh and he's also been a writer and executive producer for aquaman wonder woman 2 and shazam mm-hmm. um which as on a side note, we're getting some fun set pictures from Wonder Woman too. Yes, which is I now just recently find out is now being called Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, or at least that's the is, that's the working title. Yeah, at least that's, that's the first time I was hearing about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, um, I think this is a move DC had to make. Uh, Jeff Johns as executive producer basically ha- doesn't have that good of a track record. We were looking it up before we started just to double check, and aside from a couple Robot Chicken executive producing credits, which I found quite funny, uh, when it comes to the big DC projects. You've got Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League, which were the big four as executive producer. And really the only one of that group that comes out with, I would say, both critic critical acclaim and audience support is Wonder Woman. Now, while it is fair to say that both Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Suicide Squad made a lot of money at the box office, there was clear signs of heavy diminishing returns for both of them yeah and then when justice league fell square on its face like right on it like a running start left in the air and then landed on its face this was something dc had to do something and i'm not overly familiar with jeff john's work but i will say just by reading some of the stuff he's done he's clearly a talented guy and i think it is smart for dc's new new chief to basically put him take him away from something where he doesn't have a good track record and put him into doing something where he is doing a good track record, where he does have a good track record and potentially could do some good and, and do some good work. Yeah, I would say you know, in a lot of cases, 
you know, we don't really find that like guys like Jeff Johns, especially like comic writers and stuff, when they move to more executive positions, don't necessarily do very well. Right. Um, yes. I mean, and you just, I mean, kind of the example I look, I, I tend to look at is actually is Marvel. Um, with I mean, even within the comic industry, you know, you get writers who are not bad writers like Jim Shooter, who then went on to be like, you know, editor in chief, and they were just disastrous. Mm-hmm. Or even guys like Jim Lee, who you know is a, is actually more of an, an artist. Um, but you know, Jim Lee ran Wildstorm for a long time before selling it to DC and basically sold it to DC because he goes, I want to go back to, to drawing comics. Yeah, do do what you do best, and whether uh, Jim Johns did this on purpose uh, uh, by choice or DC's new boss basically said, bro, look, you know, you either, you know, go back to doing what you're doing good or we're getting rid of you. I don't know. Um, but I have a feeling that this, my suspicion is that the higher ups at DC, I'm trying to find the guy's name. I think it's Hamada, but I don't remember now. Uh, basically saying like, okay, this is going to be, because we all know there is a big shakeup in DC. We mentioned it at the beginning there of the year. They, they got um, Hamada from the horror world and this, and, and you had um, DC Entertainment President Diane Nelson not come back so obviously there's a big shakeup and we talked about this leading into justice league we talked about the big shakeup that was going to be coming mostly we talked about it with respect to snyder not coming back as part of the franchise and we knew after justice league he was done 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 with his franchise and now it looks like the upper level folks who either whether they put him there or at least were supporting him while he were there they're starting to get shuffled around also yeah i mean i mean you know snyder was done for a couple of reasons yes you know, yes. both both personal and professional. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little surprised to see Johns go. I'm excited that they're keeping him on to to write Green Lantern Corps because you know Jeff Johns' his best work was this, his 10 year run on Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. When I, when I first started buying comics, it was the titles I bought where I bought a couple of X Men titles and I bought Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps because it was so good. So like, yeah, I, I if really I remember correctly, you have an extensive Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps collection. I have. Well, I have all of Johns basically. I of all of John's run mm-hmm. um I don't have a whole lot going further back before that or or not a whole lot since but I mean I was a, a big fan of the work he did mm-hmm. um so yeah I'm a little surprised that, that he's going but at the same time I like you know you you, you kind of they had to do something you're right you know there there's just there's no way around the fact that D, you know DC's doing very well in the comic publishing world right now they're doing very well on television and they're getting kicked in the dick at yeah, the box ham, office ham is totally smoked in in the realm with cinema and i think if you're a jeff johns fan and you're a dc fan and believe it or not i kind of like some of these dc movies no i think, I I think you actually like some of the, you certainly like some of them more than i do yeah and i think you like them in fact in, in a lot of cases more than some of the marvel films yes but i i am not blind to the reality of the box office business so uh, i think if you're a, a fan of his and you like DC in general, and I think this is a move you're probably happy. With. You sh- you generally should be happy with. Now, what what comes out of this? I, I have no idea. What what this means for Aquaman, which is due out at the end of the year, and what this we, again we, we're we have I, not seen I am a, I am super excited a, for Aquaman. You are. Have, I was going to mention. Have we seen a teaser trailer for Aquaman? Um, we haven't seen a teaser. They've they've been putting out a lot of um set fi- set fo- photos, like a right. lot in the, in the last like two weeks. Okay, and everything 
everything does. So, look goes, great. so that sounds like they're gearing up. So yeah, I kind of. What is San Diego this year? It's the end of July. I think it's the third weekend of July. Oh, uh, let's say, see. Do, do, do. I think it's the weekend of the twentieth. So I think it's like the nineteenth to the twenty-second. They they may be they may be like planning gearing up for a release. Yeah, they may, they may yeah, do yeah. it for San Diego. That sounds right. Sounds yeah, July nineteenth right. through twenty-second. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would not be surprised if they did it did a, a San Diego release for it. Yeah, I know. I know you've got Wonder Woman 1984, which he still attaches as executive producer, currently filming due out in 2019. So those are kind of the last two quote-unquote John's films from the DC universe, and then we'll probably slip into a, a kind of the new era of DC. Well, and, but we, we shall see what happens. See, I, I don't think they're actually going to full-on reboot. I think they're just going to mm -hmm. slowly redirect. Because I, I totally agree. I, I don't mean to make it sound like it's a reboot. When I say error, I mean his time in in charge. Yeah. Not ca not canon. That's not what I was trying to get at. No, no, I I, I realize that. But like, I, I think you and I will agree that these films are not without redeeming qualities. Sure. Right. Like, it's sure. not. It's not Suicide Squad. At you know, sure that yeah. that's a, that was a garbage fire. But like, <laughs> sure. everyone yeah, but everyone gets a dumpster fire. We're just waiting for Marvels. It's coming right. eventually. Oh my God! I got bets on Ant Man. <laughs> that's mine right now. I could be wrong, but we'll, we'll I, see. No, I've got nothing on nothing in this. Uh, in this phase, we'll see what happens. At, I think I think it's going to come when they make the transition after after the last Avengers film, after Infinity Wars two part two. Yeah, we'll see. Yes, I uh, mean it is inevitable. They are due for a stinker. I mean, we saw what happened to Solo, which is which is they interesting can't... though. Like, here's the here's the thing though. Like, Solo was a good movie. It just didn't do well at the box office. Right. Suicide Squad is a is like actually bad. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah and you know, it did well, well at the box office. Right. I was speaking more. Did better at Solo. Better than Solo in the box office. Oh, yeah. I, I know that, which is bizarre. But uh, I'm again, I'm more referring to like the, when I when I think of dumpster fire, I'm thinking of like. Uh, I'm thinking of like just a true financial uh, letdown for Marvel because that just hasn't happened. For yeah, they really just haven't had that. Yeah, uh, and you're right. I mean, Suicide Squad. Oh, Suicide Squad was just unbearable to watch. No, I, I, yeah, yeah, I think it, Marvel's it will. Money. I think Marvel's will come at the after, after Avengers four when everyone said, "All right, it's wrapped up. I'm done. I'm done with." superhero movies yeah it's amazing to me just off topic a little bit how so far marvel has been avoiding the franchise fatigue and i think it has to do with this the breadth of characters they have to work with and the characters feel different yeah i think they and, did a good job the titles are different i think they made a, a good a good move in like opening up their universe as far as they did because like i i thought that was a, a fairly sizable gamble on their part oh yeah i thought like you know, you know i think you're you know you're gonna dilute your core franchise but no they, they really and it's also not like you know we didn't get like iron man and then iron man 2 a year later you know yeah, like there's about a three-year gap between those i mean and some of some of them it's even more like thor i think it was, was more than that mm, yeah and i will say this it, it you know it feels like they got their mojo at the right time um because like thor 2 I mean, not a lot of people like that one but people enjoyed ragnarok and people oh, yeah. enjoyed winter soldier and and civil war not many people talk about the first first captain america much no so they got their in, mojo in, at the in right fact, time yeah in fact they really a lot of people really didn't like it that was definitely mm -hmm. like coming into avengers and people were like oh you know marvel marvel you know just couldn't do couldn't do wrong it's like no, no like rolling into avengers marvel 
Marvel was like like Thor didn't st- Thor didn't do very well. Incredible Hulk didn't do very well, and Captain America didn't do very like we, they were really rolling on the the steam of of two Iron Man films. Right. The second of which is generally considered the worst of the three. Right. Right. And and one of the worst of the of this group of of Marvel films. Yeah. They they were kind of stumbling there for a while, and it's hard to forget about. It's hard to remind people about that. It's it's or I should say it's easy to forget. Yeah. And ba- basically, what you know they they, they got a couple guys on base and then just blasted one out of the park so yeah yeah i would agree it just there's a big choom upward shot for them so all right so chris hardware yeah so this this is man one of those... was i not looking forward to talking about this thing <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i'm really not looking forward to talking about this well part of i think the, the bigger thing you just have no idea who this guy is or anything there's part of that but i'll say this anytime that the, the, a a me too moment comes up i really don't want to be publicly on the record on it because it's such a it's such a it's such a landmine especially because as you're going to point out homeboys lost a couple big gigs he has so this is one of the things like you know we talked about like you know opening news news page and like you know stanley passes away or something this one of those, like suddenly i opened facebook and everybody's talking about this and i was like what the fuck happened right um, so for people who don't who don't know who Chris Hardwick is, Chris Hardwick um, is a is a podcast host. Um, started the Nerdist podcast, which then Nerdist eventually was sold a couple of years ago. So Hardwick hasn't been involved in in specifically with Nerdist, though he has a, uh, another podcast. I, w- I will say this, folks. Uh, I imagine most people listening to this podcast know exactly who he is. Andrew yeah. is saying that because of me, mostly. And and, and yes. then. <laughs> And then you know, kind of his his big kind of blow up was uh, blow up moment was he's, he's now hosts um, Talking Dead, which is the the Walking Dead after show. And it's interesting because there's a number of other um, shows that have actually kind of spawned up in this this style. Um, a, a person I don't know if he's uh, like a co-host or like another guest that that uh, Hardwick had on at one point for a while. Um, now hosts one called After Trek, which is like the after show for Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this kind of thing has kind of become uh, more popular. Uh, but at any right um so earlier this week um uh, hardwick's ex-girlfriend chloe dykstra wrote a significant uh blog post and and when i say significant i mean impactful and also in in length it was you know very um broad in the discussion and of, of what happened accusing a, a an unnamed though described uh, ex-boyfriend of emotional abuse and sexual assault um it doesn't take a whole lot of uh math to put to figure out it's Chris Hardwick she's talking about mm-hmm. you know based on a couple of things she said you know they dated for about three years which is how long the two of them dated the fact that he was almost 20 years older than she was um she said at one point you know by age 25 she had basically been black blacklisted from her from her her field um which is about the time that they broke up was when she was 25 so it's not hard to put the hard to put things together um and since then you know certainly things have have taken a a turn based on these allegations for Hardwick um he has uh, he's uh, he's been pulled from hosting his panel at um, San Diego Comic Con. He has been pulled from uh, some other hosting jobs. ABC um, is kind of tentative about the game show that he's been hosting. They basically said, "Well, we don't really start filming again until September, so yeah, we'll look into this." Um, and and AMC has 
uh, not at least the article I'm looking at had not yet commented. So they've been they've been real quiet. And Nerdist, um, Hardwick's former company, is probably the most um, kind of explicit uh, response. And they basically scrubbed him from all, from all of their pages. That's he, weird. That's he, some even, 1984 shit. Even as listing him as like the founder. So the, the, the well, re- also- so the reason I had I had seen um, like put forth for that not from not from Nerdist but just in general is some of the accusations she makes would have ta- would have actually taken place at at nerdist like it was as a location well like while she was working for them like oh, as well, an okay. actual employee but so, they were still like couple yes but they she were not a, okay they, yes but the, she was also because he she was also an employee like a, an actual paid employee so i think there's there's some i think they're they're concerned about legal ramifications at that point and also Probably. also you know nerdist is no longer at all associated with hard hardwick like he sold the company and he hasn't he hasn't been at all involved for about the last two years so mm-hmm. suddenly like they're getting pulled into this and they just want to be like okay that yeah that may have been that when he was here maybe this was going on but th- that we're not the same company anymore mm-hmm. so yeah so i'm looking at a new york times article uh television show a television show on amc hosted by comedian chris hardwork will not air as scheduled the network said on saturday which would have been yesterday as the as of the time we're sitting here following allegations from an ex-girlfriend chloe dykstra that he had emotionally and sexually abused her and then I'm looking at a Fox headline from yesterday. Chris Harwick says, "At no time did he sexually assault his ex-girlfriend." I am I am uh, curious to see where this goes. Um, uh, uh, so at, at least according to Dykstra's post, she claims to have supporting evidence. Should should this again this un, in her post unnamed individual, you know, basically try and cause problems for her can, can you explain something to me this is a genuine question it's going to sound very accusatory partially because it is if you are going to post something online with this level of detail to which anyone who is remotely familiar with these people and i am not so ha- if i had read this i would need to have done some research had, had i read this the first time not and not had this conversation with you why not say his name is there some is she trying to avoid like legal like like the way um the nerd is trying to avoid legal ramifications because in the fox article there's a couple caps of her twitter saying i quietly posted an article today unlisted on medium it clearly made the rounds i'm overwhelmed and i want to thank all of you for my support and kind words they meant so much to me uh, quietly so it's, it's what all right, so my first question is, why not just post Homeboy's name? So, in general, I don't know. And this is one of those things about social media that I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand why she would write this post in general, right? I mean, she, she basically said, like, you know, her friends have encouraged her to do this, her therapist has encouraged her to do this, like, to try and just kind of get it out in the air and get it off out of her mind. And I can understand that as actually as being legitimately therapeutic. Sure. So, I, I believe we call that catharsis. I'm, I'm on yeah. board with that. No, no, no. How right. So, so, so I like, I get why to write it in the first place. Why to post it in an unlisted manner? Why not to name Hardwick? You know, I don't want to call it passive aggressive because it's, it's not, that's, that's a loaded term. No, no, that's definitely not what I'm trying to say. But like, I, I, why, yeah, I understand that. why you would just kind of like throw it out there and be like, oh, here, you, like, you know, in like the comments you made on Twitter, like that's just one of those things about social media I don't understand. It, right. it, it's I, the way I'm social media culture works. And right. I accept that, but I don't actually understand it. And I, I am on, on the same page page as you. And then, so I guess this leads me to my next question. I understand catharsis. I understand talk therapy. And, 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 and if this was actually, as she said, 
Because again, she says she has evidence. I am now of the, and I, I think you can hold two opinions at the same time on this. The post Weinstein era, obviously any kind of abuse or violence towards another human being, be it sexual or otherwise, has no clear justification short of self-defense. That said, I think it is pretty obvious to anyone with a pulse, even someone like me who is not really involved in the, in the particular world that these two people are involved in, or, or not interested in the kind of art and content they put out, that any kind of post like this will cause a shitstorm. It just will. And then Homeboy starts losing losing gigs. Like, like, like it, starts, it starts having an, an adverse effect on his ability to make a livelihood. Now, granted, I'll grant you right away that I'm sure he's not hurting. However, part of me thinks that you can do these two things at one time is A, presume innocence and reasonably ask for evidence before administering punishment and agree that any kind of violence inflicted on another person by by a perpetrator is should not be tolerated am i do am i out of line here because sometimes it sounds like there's there's a a mob on the move part of that social media culture that you just mentioned i mean certainly there is there is some of that and it, it's interesting to watch who social media believes and who they don't yeah um and yeah I'm, i this is kind of a this is a tough one do i do i think that is a certainly something that we should strive for yes there are times when we don't that these people don't necessarily have the evidence that that chloe dykstra claims to have sure which so, by the way as far insofar as i no, we have not seen any. No, yes. we have not. We have not. But okay, okay. Because it's not like Weinstein with the the model who had him recorded on her phone, right. which basically nailed the coffin on him. Right. But at the same time, I mean, you know, that was kind of one of those unspoken things. Everyone knew Weinstein did it, but nobody had the actual proof for a long time. Sure. Right. So that doesn't mean, obviously, like I said, it doesn't make it untrue. Um, but I mean, you know, there's got to be some kind of some kind of middle ground there, right? You can't just say, well, if you don't have proof, we're we're just going to ignore the allegation. Well, uh, right. So I guess I'm asking, what the hell is the default now? That's the thing. So I, I'm kind of like old school. Maybe just because I, I I I'm kind of like a constitutional law nerd, and I get really hard up on things like burden of proof and and standard of evidence and and the presumption of innocence. That that is. Is very important to me so and i and i don't I don't, I don't disagree that's important from a jurisprudence standpoint but this isn't right. jurisprudence this is the court of public opinion correct and this is and the, and and part of the problem with the court of public opinion is it can turn into a mob it, so can, it, it can at the same time i don't fault these people for not wanting to be associated with someone who is not above reproach no that's true also i mean one of the basis of our society is the right to freely associate with whomever i just noticed a huge typo in one of the articles that's hilarious <laughs> like per they forgot to space perfect and we so it's perfect we but um but you have uh, every right to do that but when you're making certainly when you talk about these kind of things and you're making these kinds of decisions if and again from my perspective like, as someone who also finds himself in in kind of skeptic circles who we constantly talk about if you're going to make a claim about something and a third party is going to have to act on it as if it were true then some sort of corroborating evidence has to be a part of it otherwise i'm not sure what my next move is going to be right but the point is from a legal perspective it doesn't have there doesn't have to be proof uh to disassociate yourself from that person i understand yeah. that you don't yeah. have to, to say you know for san diego to say you know what we don't like what we're hearing about this guy he's not going to host the panel anymore sure i mean again they could do that i 
I am not certain that that's a that's a comfortable future. I'm 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 looking forward to like that's just a future I'm not sure I'm okay with. That that's where I, I I see this and I go okay let's pump the brakes for just a second. Can we on a societal cultural level absent the force uh, of the legal force because again that involves the state. Sure. And so far, the state has not been involved in this. So different discussion. We're, that's what I'm talking about is where as a society are we putting this default position? And right now, I don't know if anyone has an answer for that. Well, because I don't know that there's a there is a consistent default position. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And, and that's that is at least my one big reservation about stuff that occurs in this realm. Because when I see something like this, I just go, oh, boy. What, what's going to happen now? And as you pointed out, there are times where these accusations make no impact whatsoever. Sometimes the accusations are scorned openly. Uh, I'm thinking of Aziz Ansari as a good example. And then there are other times when they have huge impact, huge. So yeah, to me, I'm, I am slightly, I have a sense of trepidation moving forward that the default is, like you said, um, I don't want to misquote you, but just kind of missing or we don't have one. And then we're still trying to feel our way through. Yeah. I mean, part of, part of me is kind of wondering though, if, if we're at a point where you, you almost can't have a default position that you need to evaluate each individual thing on a case by case basis. Oh, I would certainly just disagree with that. Um, and each, and that's kind of what I was, I guess, was trying to get at earlier is right these are all different cases and but the reason why we evaluate them on a case by is like first the accusation okay this is the accusation what's the evidence or there's it doesn't even have to be perfect, right? It's just, okay, this is reasonable. This is reason to believe. We don't want to associate it. Or wait until we hear something. If we don't hear anything, then it's a post on the internet. You see what I'm saying? That's the distinction I'm trying to draw. And I don't know if we've, we're have we taking two steps before we, you know, we've, we've skipped a step in our in our ladder of evaluation. I, th I think I think people, there are a lot of people who jump to conclusions. I think just based on the internet age that, that, that jumping to conclusions happens. However, mm -hmm. I think we come back to that second step. I hope so. I mean, I, I, I think if you I, really I think if you so. look at mo most of these things that most of the times that something like this comes up, you know, there's a lot of like people immediately jumping into the argument, screaming on either side. And I mean, totally. you, you see this with you see this with this particular case right now. There are people yeah. who are who are supporting Chris Hardwick. There are people who are supporting Chloe Dykstra. Like, right. just, I mean, just go look at the Facebook comments for because I've been looking a lot of like the comicbook.com posts. Just go look at a right. lot of their their comment pages. Like it, it's, uh, it's it's all over the. I will take I will take your word for it. I don't think yeah. No. You, no, yeah, I mean, you don't need to spend your time, but like, you know, there you get both sides. Sure. But then I think, I think we, we, you know, this is only a couple of days old, realistically. I think we'll yeah. be coming back to this over the when next couple of this? weeks. Yeah, uh, Friday? She posted it uh, three days ago on the 14th. Oh, 14th, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you look at something like, so a couple First. of months back, um, George Takei was accused. Oh, yeah. And basically, um, you know, people were, and, and George Takei is actually the one I think of when I think, you know, we believe some, we don't believe others, is basically everyone just kind of, well, no, everyone just like assumed George Takei didn't do it. And I kind of asked, well, how do we know? Right. Um, and then we circle back and turns out this guy's changed his story about 18 times. Right, right. Right. Like there's no consistency to any of it. Mm -hmm. So I think we do circle back to it. It's just, you know, in, in the, the internet age of, you know, some level of ambiguity and anonymity, people jump to sides and then work their way back around. Yeah, and, to, and first they're starting to score points with whoever they're arguing with online. And there's that, there's that and the virtue of signaling. And that's the kind of stuff. It, one of the reasons why I barely spend any time on social media, because it is, it is like 
you know, spitting in the wind sometimes. Yeah, well, and to be fair, we're still kind of in the, the wild west of social media. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, civilization exists out there, but it ain't over here. Mm -mm, no. So. I will come back to it. We, we, we oh, pride yeah. ourselves on following following these stories up. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, on a, on a final note, uh, there was one last thing I did want to talk about. And, and actually, it's interesting that this story pops up uh, at this point because, um, so earlier last week, um, a, a friend of the podcast, uh, Shane McNulty, passed away. Um, and I say it's un unfortunate with this. this this popping up is because uh, Shane would certainly have very significant opinions about this whole thing. Uh, I know Tracy and Shane used to get in arguments and, and discussions about um, like Gamergate and some other stuff. So, oh yeah, another fun topic. Right, but like Shane would certainly be someone who uh, who would have have opinions on this. I'd be interested to hear what they are. Um, unfortunately, you know we won't we won't get that chance. Yeah, Shane unfortunately um, was doing fine and then went to the hospital with some issues and and passed away very unexpectedly, like less than 12 hours later um we've had shane on as uh, on the podcast uh at least two times that i have found i'm still digging through old episodes because I, I swear to god there's a third time um i could be just losing my mind unfortunately my record keeping is not super good about like guest hosts and stuff so um but shane shane i mean great person he was the the chairman of the local tidewater brown coats he and some other friends of ours uh set up a charity called um nerds with benefits that will put on on charity events things like that and uh he will be sorely missed so all right dude what have you been into uh so i don't know if i mentioned this last time but you and i are both fans of a game called sins of a solar empire and my brother talked me into a sins of a solar empire-esque game called stellaris and i will never forgive him for it because it's, it's actually quite fun we were actually playing it quite late last night together online and it was a, it's actually a fun little game not little it's gigantic it's it's like take sins and then take civilization and smash them together and make it in real time and that's what you get so it's pretty I darn know, i don't know how i feel about that neither do i but right now i i know i i feel like i've lost 27 hours what you feel already. is really tired yeah really um but it was it was it was interesting uh that said in the, in the board game world uh baruch and i tried a game we had tried about a year ago that we really liked called talon it's a space combat game this is probably the dragon i'm chasing in the in the board game video game world is a quality fleet engagement game with ship to ship combat and i have never truly found a game that pulls all the right levers the right way partially because i'm not 100 percent sure what I, I know what i'm looking for i just know i will have found it when i do and Talon was one of the attempts to find that in the board game world, and it came pretty darn close, and we had talked about it after playing Space Empires 4X. Let's try Talon again, because they're kind of in the same universe, and we played it Friday night, and there's a big problem with this damn game, and it's, to make it short, it takes too effing long, and it just takes too long to line up a shot and to have the ship reloaded in order to fire because of the way you allocate power in the ship, and he, we were not playing a big game. He had three ships, I had three ships. It took three hours. Oof. It should not have taken that long. We were both kind of flipping through the rules going, are we doing something wrong? Because we were we were familiar with the rules and we were kind of burning through the game and we're like, why is it taking this long? It's just, well, the ships are just passing each other over and over and over again until one finally gets killed. And it was like, I don't know. Some, I'm going to have to try it again and then maybe retool it. But there, there were problems. And it was hugely disappointing because you had, had this game on my shelf for a year telling everyone, oh, this is great. 
And if you went on any online review of this game, it is on the top 10 of anyone who plays GMT games. It's in that t- and sometimes in the top five. And I'm like that one dude going, am I missing something? Because there's a problem here. There's no reason why a three ship skirmish should take three hours or three on three. So it's the three on three should take this long. What if we were playing a large fleet battle that and that's where I so that was disappointing. And then actually today, one of the reasons why I'm recording this this late is my game group invited me to play a game called New Angeles which I agreed to and almost instantly regretted it after I looked up what the game was. But I said, I promised I'd show up. I'm going to give this a try. Really, really, really try and make this game work or try and be active and enthusiastic. And I, I hate every aspect of that game. <laughs> I just really we got through it. It was It's basically uh, bizarre. It's set in the Netrunner universe. It's The setting is this, you're, you're a corporation, six people each take up a corporation and they're kind of managing it to keep the city running and on the one hand you're cooperating to put out little brush fires that occur kind of like pandemic but at the same time you're trying to accumulate points to stay ahead of your rivals and the other players so it's kind of like uh, you know any kind of point scoring it's game a, it's like a weird mishmash of cooperative and competitive right and then there's a trader thrown in there and then there's a negotiation have you played this game like there's a negotiation no. phase in there and there's these biddings and my problem was I, I suck at all these kind of games Sure. I am very much the gamer who just you and me across the table from one another and I'm going to smother you until you give up or vice versa. Right. That's that's those are my kind of games. Sure. And I just felt that so much time is dedicated to the wheeling and dealing and arguing about the deals and what to do and what which way to go forward that you're you're not playing i you can make the argument well that's the game that's you playing that's not fun that's not playing the game to me playing the game means moving pieces rolling dice playing cards drawing disc that that's playing yelling at someone about how to play is not fun Oddly enough, the dude who won was the trader, and he had a very meta strategy. Is he acted really, really butthurt and then stopped playing the game? So every time his turn came up, he just kind of said, "I, you know, you know, f you guys. I'm playing this for spite. I'm playing this for spite. I don't even know who the federalist is. I don't know who the bad guy is, but but I'm playing it to help him." It turned out it was him. Nice. Now, I th- that the guy who brought the game had that exact reaction. Me, I went, that doesn't seem right. You could throw a hissy fit and that was your strategy. That just seems like that that's breaking character. So I attempted it. I, I appreciate them asking me. And we're going to try actually next week to do a giant Napoleonic game. So, you know, I, I appreciate it. But man, I learned something. Those aren't my kind of games. And oddly enough, just a quick side note, the people who, when I looked the game up and they talked about, oh, this is a game about, you know, it's capitalism at work and free enterprise and all this other stuff. No, in essentially actually what you have in the game is a soviet style central planning committee that's really what it is it has nothing to do with the market market doesn't operate the way this game operates it really is like a group of soviet central planners trying to figure out where to allocate resources and who should do it and what is the best way and then backstabbing and vote the only thing that we didn't have in the game was the purchase but that was my my kind of like nitpick about how the game was uh pitched to people who were trying to play it oh it's capitalism and tragedy of the commons it's not that's not close that this this was central planning you could reskin the game in a 1930s soviet style you know set in the soviet union during the famines and it would have played the same it would have played just the same 
you just change the flavor. But yeah, that that's it. That was it for me. So if you're into those kind of games, negotiation, co-op, backstabbing, this is your game. If, you're, if it's not, oh, stay away. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that's so it on my end. Let's see. I had an almost normal week, like schedule this week, so that was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm rolling to again back twelve starting tomorrow night. So I've been trying to stay up like late, late, late the last couple of nights. Well, I made it to three a.m. last night, and I'll make it to six tonight. There you go. Yeah, but it gives me a whole lot of time to do all kinds of more more stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, watching more Babylon Five. Uh, I watched the first episode of Orphan Black. Hmm. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like a lot of British stuff, so so I'm, I'm certainly optimistic about Orphan Black. Again, especially with all the, all the things I've heard about it being very good. Uh, let's see. Played more Kingdom Hearts. I am, like, rusty as hell on, like, RPGs and platforming and, like, the console gaming, so I'm just getting my ass beaten by a game that's, like, 15 years old. <laughs> um, I also started playing Uncharted, like, the first one, which is it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, the girl went through the whole Uncharted series. Yeah, I mean, I mean, other than the fact that, like, I quit, I stopped last night, I know I quit last night, and I didn't stop, I quit. Um, yeah. I didn't throw anything, I didn't rage quit, but I quit. Um, because, like, I found myself, I was like, I have no ammo, and I'm just getting just blown to pieces. Right. It's like, alright, well, I'm gonna go do something that, that's not making me frustrated. <laughs> sure. Um, doing that, and then, uh, today was just kind of a nice, nice day relaxing, enjoying, enjoying my first Father's Day. You're very, um, oh, yes, mentioned that. That's been a lot of fun, so we, like, I finally got, so Becky gave me a, an early Father's Day present last year, it was a a t-shirt that said a master in the Star Wars font and then a onesie for Malcolm that said uh, apprentice so mm-hmm. we got to wear those today and Becky took some pictures and uh, I may or may not put them on, on the Facebook page but we had a lot of fun with it um, but went out to breakfast with with, uh, with my in-laws and then uh, I was doing some work some, some manly work in the garage playing with power tools and then I decided to like do something completely different than what I how what I was planning to do so you know fuck I don't know but there you go yeah no it was just a nice nice relaxing day and when we get done here yeah, it'll be like 11 o'clock here, so I got like seven hours to kill, so yeah, fuck, I'll find something to do. Yeah, yeah, always something. I think I know I think I know where my Xbox games are now, so I think I'll go like, maybe I'll play like Arkham or something. Oh, damn. That game, that game doing, the first two of that series don't get old. No, they really don't. A lot of fun just beating the tar out of guys. Oh my god, yeah, and then the you play the Shadows of Mordor or Shadows of War, which is basically the hack and slash version of that yep. game. It's, it's even more satisfying. I mean, I thought about going back and like playing some more, um, some more like old Assassin's Creed. Mm. Man, I love those games holy shit that i play the crap out of those yeah they're fun yeah so all right folks if you like what we do make sure you head on over to thereforegeek.com and check out our blog posts and our podcasts you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can find this podcast on itunes soundcloud youtube and stitcher so once again i'm andrew i'm dude and you've been listening to therefore i